Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? I am so grateful because as part of the discussion we've been having about protein, I've wanted to have an expert on to talk about the importance of amino acids for mental health. You know, I touched on it very briefly a few episodes ago when I expressed my frustration with the way our medical system goes straight to pharmaceuticals for anxiety, depression, poor focus, and just overall poor cognitive function without first considering nutrition. There are wonderful people in the world trying to change that, and our guest today is one of them. Um, About a week ago, a friend and fellow nutritionist, Cynthia Damascos at Holistic Christian Life, who's also been on the podcast, she reached out and said, you might be interested in having Christina Veselak on your podcast. She's the founder and director of Academy for Addiction and Mental Health Nutrition. She's been a licensed psychotherapist for over 30 years. She's knowledgeable in the science of orthomolecular psychiatry and functional nutrition and biochemistry for mental health. And she also has a nonprofit organization called Eating Protein Saves Lives. And I was like, um, yeah, I'm interested. This is the exact expert I was hoping to find. And God just dropped this gift in my lap by way and messenger of Cynthia, to whom I'm very grateful. And now I get to share this gift, Christina's expertise with you, this incredible information that could change your life or the life of someone you know. It is my honor to welcome Christina Veselak to the Christian Health Club podcast. Welcome, Christina. Hi, Chelsea. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm delighted to be here. I'm delighted to have you. Let's start by having you share your background and how you got into this field and specialty. Well, I've been a licensed psychotherapist since, oh, when is it? 1985. And got into the addiction field immediately after getting out of school and discovered that I loved it. Now, I didn't know this when I was in school. In school, I thought, no, I'm never going to have anything to do with addiction. And the Lord had some very different ideas for me, (laughs) as he does for many of us. Yes, Um, me included. It it turns out that addiction's everywhere. And um, even if I hadn't jumped, you know, into the deep end and stayed there, I still would have encountered addiction in a general private practice as a psychotherapist. But I did end up specializing in addiction. And in the early 90s, I ran across Julia Ross, who wrote a book called The Mood Cure, which is really the Bible for amino acid therapy. And she had started a nutritionally oriented outpatient addiction and eating disorder treatment program 
And she was one of the first people in the country using amino acids for addiction recovery, as well as for mental health recovery. And I was so impressed by my conversation with her and her nutritionist that I made an appointment with the nutritionist to see if she could figure out why I had been chronically ill my whole entire life. In fact, I'd been so ill that when I graduated from college, my whole intention, my whole entire life had been to become a medical doctor. But the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And in fact, they decided I was just fine. And my mother was a hypochondriac. But by the time I graduated from college, I was so ill, I didn't have the stamina to go to medical school. And, and Chelsea, that stayed a deep grief for me for many years until I realized that the Lord had opened a back door for me in terms of functional nutrition and nutrition for mental health. And that I'm um, probably doing more in terms of really helping people with their, with their mental health and even some of their physical issues now as a nutritionist and a psychotherapist than I would have been as a medical doctor. Mm, I, I would agree with you. If you'd gone the conventional route, um, the likely, well, you might have came come across it differently, but um, but I think that God put you just where He needs you and where we all need you. Oh my gosh! Well, tell just kind of tell, fill us in about how you really came to discover or experience um, the role of nutrition in mental health. So this is a little bit of a miracle story, okay? I love miracle stories. Yeah. Well, when I was actually my whole entire life, I had struggled with deep, dark depression, deep, dark depression, deep emotional pain. I'd had a lot of trauma in my life, but it turned out that I also had a lot of biochemical drivers of my depression that took me a long time to uncover, identify and address all of them. But the very first inkling that what we ate could matter to our emotional well-being happened in my junior year of college. I had been away in Switzerland at uh, Le Brie, for those of you who are aware of Francis Schaeffer way back when. And I had spent the summer with Francis Schaeffer and my depression was much better that summer. And I thought it was just because I was in Switzerland having fun. But I came back to school and I was eating breakfast at the student union every morning. And pretty much what I was having for breakfast every morning was eggs because that was the cheapest, the not cheapest, the healthiest thing on the menu. Well, about two weeks into the start of school, I was so depressed I couldn't function. I couldn't study, I couldn't make it to class. And I was sitting in the library over a stack of magazines um, crying, crying and praying, saying, Lord, you have to do something because I can't function. And I sat up and just idly looked at the magazine that, you know, now had my tear stains all over it. And it just so happened to be a very early edition of Prevention Magazine open to an article on how food intolerances 
could lead to mental health disorders. Now, this was 1976, right? And I thought, well, that's interesting. So I started reading the article, and part of it focused on how eggs in susceptible people could trigger major depression. Well, I'd never heard that before. And so I eagerly like, oh my God, you know, let me read the rest of this article. And it said that there are five top allergens in the country. Eggs are one of them. And it takes four days to get an allergen out of your system. So you need to completely go off the food for five days. Um, and I thought, you know, in, in Switzerland, for whatever reason, they didn't serve eggs. I really hadn't had one egg the entire three months I was in Switzerland. And I came back and I was eating eggs every single day. And the article talked about how if you don't eat a substance for a while and then re-enter it or re-expose yourself to it, you get an unmasked reaction. Well, being so depressed I couldn't function certainly felt like an unmasked reaction to me. And so I completely obsessively went off eggs. And on day five, I was back to the level of depression in Switzerland where I was functional. Couldn't say I was happy, but I was okay. Okay for me. And that was that, that was a pure miracle because that was the Lord saying, read this magazine. Like, yes, sir. Um, <laughs> And that was my first inkling that food could harm us. And then later I learned about all the wonderful ways that food can help us. But it turned out um, a couple of decades later, I discovered that corn was also creating depression. And at that time was actually making me acutely suicidal. Oh my gosh. I woke up one morning and on top of my normal depression, I now wanted to kill myself immediately. Never had been suicidal before. So this came out of the blue, was quite odd, really threw me for a loop. I didn't act on it because I was stable enough. And, you know, I knew how to work with myself enough that I wasn't going to act on it. But it was very strong very disorienting and it took a couple of weeks for me to put my nutritionist hat back on but when i finally did it's okay what changed in my environment i know the stressors haven't changed so it's not that so what else changed and what i realized is that it was the middle of the summer in california there was all of this wonderful sweet tender juicy corn on the market and I had moved from eating corn here, there, wherever, occasionally having a soda, that sort of thing, um, to having fresh corn every day. Corn salsa, you know, corn on the cob, barbecued corn, because I, I really loved corn. We also get, um, we start craving what we're allergic to. So I was having a lot of corn. Well, I remembered back to that very first article I'd read all those years earlier that said that corn was one of the top five allergens. And so it's like, okay. So I completely went off corn 
turns out the corn is in table salt. Um, I didn't know that then, but other than my table salt, I completely went off corn. And on day five, not only was the suicidal ideation and intensity gone, but the depression itself was much lighter. And once I finally removed the table salt, the iodized table salt from my diet, what was left of my depression completely, it went, it went. Wow. That's amazing. It, it really is. Most people in the conventional mental health world, most psychiatrists do not know that food intolerances and food allergies can cause mental health symptoms, but there's really quite a lot of research out there on it. And um, it's real. I can totally testify to it being real. Wow. So um, this is just kind of a random question because I, what were you eating in Switzerland for breakfast? I'm like, well, what if she wasn't eating eggs? What was she eating that was making you feel better? What were you eating back then? Do you remember? You no, know, I think it was toast and cheese and, you know, meats and stuff. I don't really mm-hmm. remember. Hmm. Do you, um, are you still intolerant to eggs or have you been able to reintroduce, reintroduce them? I have to be very careful with eggs. I can now have eggs in things, but if I have like, you know, scrambled eggs for breakfast two days in a row, it feels like a dark rain cloud has settled over my head. Wow. So I can get away with them about once a week and a little bit here and there. I mean, I'm so much healthier in all ways than I was, you know, as a teenager, but I still have to be careful. Mm-hmm. How, okay, so it, where in the story with all of this, are you getting into practice into your, um, into your mental health practice with, with clients and, and, and translating this, um, and for them and kind of how did that come together? Well, so after I met Julia Ross and met with her nutritionist who figured out that I was actually gluten intolerant, and that that is eating gluten was what was causing my lifetime um, uh, illness. I was so impressed by her figuring this out in like three sessions that I went and got the same training she did. And in 1993, I became a certified nutritionist and started getting training from all over the country in what later became functional nutrition and functional medicine. Um, I was studying with Jeffrey Bland before the term functional medicine even became a thing. And I was very excited by all of this. I was still a little intimidated to fully integrate it into my practice until we moved to Denver. And in 2001, I started a new psychotherapy practice in Denver. And at that point, I had been working in a vitamin store for about three years. And vitamin stores are kind of frontline healthcare because people come to the clerk in the vitamin store and say, I have this symptom. I went to my doctor. He doesn't know what to do. Um, what can you tell me? And very often the clerk who the well-trained clerk in the vitamin store knows exactly what to do with herbs and nutrients. And in my experience, I was able to help so many people 
in the vitamin store that I really built. It was like my internship. It really built my confidence. And so when I restarted my private practice as a psychotherapist and addiction specialist in Denver, at that point, I fully integrated my um, my nutrition into my work as a psychotherapist and also did mental health nutrition all on its own. And this, I mean, I can't tell you the amazing results I started getting from my clients so quickly. Now, prior to that, I had been helping my clients change their diet and that, you know, getting that protein in there, getting the sugar out, stabilizing people's um, blood sugar levels by getting them actually eating every three to four hours. I'd already been doing that and seeing amazing changes. But when I brought in the amino acid therapy and the nutrient therapy, um, people's mood can shift with amino acids within 20 minutes because they get into the brain and remake our all-important mood-mediating uh, neurotransmitters. And it just transformed my practice. That's incredible. Why don't tell our audience um, more about what neurotransmitters are and then, um, and then in the role they play in mental health, and then kind of move into how the amino acids um, are critical to the neurotransmitters. Absolutely. Well, so all of our, our feelings, our mood, our perceptions, our interpretations of what's going on around us, our ability to access skills, to learn, to move, to sleep, to relax, to get up and go in the morning, all of these things are mediated through brain chemicals called neurotransmitters. And when they are in balance, we are more likely to be in balance. We're more likely to be able to cope with stress gracefully, to um, interpret events around us accurately, you know, so that our feelings actually reflect reality rather than um, skewed biochemistry, think PMS, right? When you're trying to, you know, interpret events around you in the middle of PMS, generally we're a little off. And that's because it impacts our neurotransmitter levels. And so neurotransmitters can be thrown off by a million things, by genetics, stress, illness, um, and mood altering chemicals. But when they're low, we're in distress. We might be depressed or anxious. We might um, be really tired or can't get to sleep at night. And so very often, some of us will reach for a mood altering substance or behavior, you know, to get relief. Some of us just, you know, suffer with it. But, you know, that glass of red wine before dead before bed is, you know, so comforting. That donut, that, you know, little bit of ice cream after you've had a fight with your boyfriend or a breakup, you know, these things feel so comforting. Or a couple co cups of coffee in the morning, or, 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 right? And so these are mood altering substances that fire our neurotransmitters, make us feel better for a little while, but in the process deplete it. 
It's like going to the ATM machine, putting your card in and pulling out money without depositing more money, right? If you keep doing that, you're going to get overdrawn. Well, sometimes if we keep using these mood altering substances over and over again, our neurotransmitters become overdrawn. They become so depleted that we need more and more and more of the substance to get the same effect. One cup of coffee is no longer enough. One glass of wine is no longer enough. One cookie is no longer enough. And now we need more and more and more to get the same effect. This is called tolerance. And so when we stop using these substances, whether it be heroin, coffee, or cookies, um, we go into withdrawal. And sometimes the cravings become so strong that we just can't resist them and we go back to the substance over and over and over again. Well, the cravings are so strong because our neurotransmitters are still depleted. We haven't changed our eating. We're not feeding our brain what it needs to function optimally. And this is where amino acids come in. So when we eat protein and digest it, it digests into these little molecules called amino acids, and they run all over the body. They do all sorts of things. They make our muscle, our skin, our blood, our enzymes. Some of them get into the brain and make our neurotransmitters in the presence of enough vitamins and minerals. This is why our fruits and veggies are so important. And so we can actually either increase the amount of protein we're eating per day. I recommend a minimum of 20 grams of protein every four hours. And many people need much more than that. Um, or you can actually buy these amino acid precursors over the counter. And go into your local vitamin store and ask for them or go on Amazon. So for instance, there's a brain um, neurotransmitter system called the catecholamines. It's a long name, but it breaks down into dopamine, norepinephrine, and adrenaline. So this is where our adrenaline comes from. This is where I get up and go, our joy, our motivation, our purpose in life, all comes from our, our dopamine and our um, energizing chemicals, which are also our stress chemicals, okay? So that they allow us to step up and deal with stress. Well, when they get low, we have a slow, sluggish depression. You don't want to move. You don't care anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. And it, it's you just start spiraling down. Well, taking the amino acid L-tyrosine, you can buy in any vitamin store, within 20 minutes, we'll start turning that around. You can start with a low dose and then build till you find one that works for you. And all of a sudden, you're feeling chipper and have energy and motivation and drive and feel alive. And it's wonderful. Now, while the amino acids can work very quickly within 20 minutes, they then wear off in a couple of hours and you, and you do need more. 
but they're anti-addictive because over time they're actually rebuilding the neurotransmitter stores rather than depleting them. So unlike mood altering substances, whether it be coffee or cocaine, where you need more and more to get the same effect over time, with tyrosine, you need less and less. And so tyrosine was actually a lifesaver for me when I first discovered it because I had that slow sluggish depression. And I also had attention deficit disorder and tyrosine helped tremendously with both of those in giving me get up and go, helping me feel alive, helping my brain go in a straight line and me be more organized. And I actually, because I was so depleted and had so much going on, I needed to be on it for about 10 years. And then I didn't need it anymore. And now, you know, every once in a while, I'll pop a tyrosine. But I'm not dependent on it because I'm now keeping my neurotransmitters happy and dancing through the food I eat and through my self-care. Hallelujah for that. Absolutely. I love it. I heard you um, in your podcast with Cynthia, and I just thought this was all the things that could be um, caused or a a symptom of low um, amino acids, neurotransmitters. You know, we have our ones that we might think of commonly like depression or anxiety. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. this will be new to a lot of people. They have no idea in making that connection between the amino acids, neurotransmitters, and these symptoms. But depression, anxiety, insomnia, um, worry, but also things like, you said, perfectionism, inability to forgive, self-attack, obsessive thinking. And I just, I didn't know that it could be that wide. And so I think, you know, this affects so many people. Um, And so many people feel like, you know, like, what is wrong with me? I'm just, I'm broken. And and it it breaks my heart because it could be this simple foundational issue of not having the right nutrition, of not having enough amino acids. Um, Could you just speak more to all of that? This stuff, it just fascinates me. Well, absolutely. So some of those symptoms you, you described are symptoms of low serotonin. And serotonin, we're all familiar with serotonin because of drugs like Prozac, which are called selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Well, that's a long name that just says that the drug allows the um, neurotransmitter to be more available to to the brain. It's more complicated than that, but that's essentially it. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't work. They stop working over time. People are on SSRIs for decades and the doctor keeps raising the dose and if they stop working over time because the store of serotonin has gotten so depleted that the drug doesn't have anything to work on anymore. Um, So this is where we bring in the amino acids, either tryptophan or 5-HTP. Well, some of the symptoms of low serotonin are exactly those you mentioned. Um, because serotonin allows us to flow and to be mellow and to, to relate socially and to feel good about ourselves. They've actually done studies with, of all things, 
lobsters. Can you imagine doing a scientific study with a lobster? No. <laughs> okay. Anyway, they found that if lobsters were low in serotonin, they were at the bottom of the pecking order. They did this with rats too. But if they increased the serotonin levels in lobsters, don't ask me how, um, the lobsters started climbing up the pile of little lobsters until they became top of the um, social structure. Same thing with rats. So as human beings, when our serotonin is low, we're more likely to be in shame, to be in self-attack, to have social anxiety, to be afraid to put ourselves out there, to have low self-esteem. These are all signs of low serotonin. When we raise our serotonin levels using this precursor, little by little by little, and especially if we're doing our inner work and our trauma healing work, you know, it's not just, it's not just biochemistry. Um, we can, we can transform our entire way of being in the world. And symptoms of low serotonin also include like a lack of ability to flow. So that's going to show up as perfectionism, as rigidity, holding grudges, inability to forgive, needing things to be just this way, or we get very anxious getting irritated if somebody does anything wrong or something's out of place. These are also signs of low serotonin. I bet a and, lot of people right now are thinking about other people in their life. Like, I bet they have low serotonin, if uh -huh. not themselves. But you know, I mean, think, and I've, uh, the, re the relationships that you have with people, I just, you know, what I, I tell people all the time is like, the you know, the way that you show up in the world is so foundationally rooted in, in your nutrition. And this is just a prime example, your mood, you know, are you snapping at your family? Right. Um, and you know, and you, that that's for a lot, you know, I work with a lot of moms and I know myself, if I'm not eating, um, the way I, I should be eating, I'm just more snappity snap with my family. And then I'm like, why did I do that? You know, in my head. And, and I just have this whole spiral of self shame and I feel guilty and, yep. you know, and it's just, I know mm -hmm. when I'm kind of, if I go off the rails a little bit with my, my food, um, I can feel it and I, and it affects the way that I show up. And I just, it's so pervasive. And I think if, oh gosh, if we could change this, that's why I'm so glad you're here talking about this. This information needs to get out. Well, you know, th this brings up a whole nother question, and that's about low blood sugar. But I want to share one more thing about serotonin before we move on. And that is that when serotonin is low, we may have insomnia because of all of this worry and anxiety that swirls around our brain that can keep us from going to sleep at night or can wake us up at three o'clock in the morning when we're worried about this and we're worried about that and we're worried about the other. So this, this obsessive anxious worry is also a sign of low serotonin. And a lot of people, including me, find that taking a little bit of 5-HTP or L-tryptophan before bed can be tremendously helpful in just <sighs> calming down your brain, calming down your worry, allow you to pray, and allow you to sleep. It could be a miracle worker. 
it really can be there's other types of insomnia as well and maybe we'll circle back around to them but you're talking about irritability and i really want to address this because it's so pervasive a lot of people just don't take eating seriously you know we don't realize that it actually matters to our physical and emotional well-being so we'll eat haphazardly or we'll just grab this or we'll grab that or we'll feed our kids, but we're too busy to feed ourselves. And what happens is that if we've gone too long without real food, and especially without protein-rich food, our blood sugar drops. And when blood sugar drops too low or too fast, adrenaline kicks in. We don't think about this that you know we get an adrenaline shot when we've missed a meal or two or three and we're running on adrenaline we all do actually know what it feels like to run on adrenaline um but adrenaline will bring some friends with it sometimes it will bring anxiety sometimes it will bring um panic or anger and it almost always brings cravings with it, whether it be cravings for sugar or whatever your substance or behavior of choice is. But anger's a big one. And I think a lot of um, being irritable with your children all the way to full-blown child abuse, being irritable with your spouse all the way to full-blown spousal abuse, is often fueled by low blood sugar and adrenaline surging. Um, I had a client who was actually in our church whose wife was about to divorce him because he would come home from work every day and go into a rage. He would throw things, he would kick things, he would put holes in walls, he wouldn't hit the people, but he would call them names. He had two teenage sons and his wife just had enough. And so I asked him very first session, tell me what you ate today. What what do you typically eat? Well, I had a cup of coffee with three teaspoons of sugar. For lunch, I had some more coffee with a donut and some potato chips. And then I have a chocolate bar on my hour-long drive home from work every day. So what this guy was eating every day. And then he had a real dinner if he hadn't alienated his wife too much. He had a starving brain. No wonder he was coming home and losing it. And so the only thing I told him to do was to start eating a you know real protein breakfast he could tolerate eggs so you know three eggs for breakfast have a real lunch and have a protein bar on the way home from work rather than a candy bar and he calls me the next evening well actually he called me the first evening because i fed him in my office okay i gave him a protein shake so that this and this was the first protein he'd eaten all day and when he got home from my his appointment with me that day he didn't blow he didn't yell he was the nicest person in the world wow 
And that's all it took was changing how he ate. And his wife didn't divorce him. She didn't need to. <laughs> Protein not only saves lives, it saves marriages. Well, it really does, actually. <laughs> For real. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's that's amazing. I also heard you, not to switch gears, but I, I heard you speak of a, I just thought this was powerful, of a client or somebody you worked with that um, who had had panic attacks for a very long time. Mm. And could you tell that, give that example? I just thought that was just so powerful. One of my favorite stories, because this is a woman who had had twice daily panic attacks for 10 years. She walks into my office, looks at me and says, you're number eight. And I said, oh, oops. She said, well, I've been to three psychiatrists who, or maybe it was four psychiatrists who put her on medication, which just made her feel crazy and weird and didn't touch the panic attacks. She'd gone to three psychotherapists who were helpful in helping her realize if you've ever had a panic attack, you can feel like you're dying and helped her realize that she wasn't dying and it would pass. But these seven highly trained powerful experts didn't ask the right questions. So I listened to this and I said, well, what time of day are your panic attacks? Upon arising and four to five o'clock in the afternoon. I said, well, do you eat breakfast? Yes, I do. And what happens to your panic attack after you eat breakfast? Oh, well, you know, it, it goes away. Hmm. I said, do you eat lunch or a mid-afternoon snack? No, no, I, I'm too busy at work to do that. So your panic attack comes around four or five o'clock in the afternoon. You haven't eaten since breakfast. So tell me, what happens when you eat dinner? Oh, well, I guess, I don't know, but I think I just stop worrying about it. I, I think the anxiety just kind of goes away. I said, where's the effect of, yeah, I'm sure it does. And then I explained to her that what I thought was happening is that she had reactive hypoglycemia, which is a medical diagnosis, so I couldn't diagnose it, but that the symptoms were um, in cohesion with this. And that what was happening is that her blood sugar had dropped so low by the time she woke up in the morning that adrenaline had kicked in and the adrenaline was causing the panic attacks. And because she was skipping lunch and her mid-afternoon snack, her blood sugar had plummeted again by four o'clock in the afternoon. Again, the adrenaline was rushing in and giving her a panic attack. And that what I wanted her to do was to start eating protein, you know, for lunch and mid-afternoon snack. Um, And then in the morning to have a very small glass of orange juice by her bedside table so she could drink it the second she woke up. Typically, I wouldn't, I don't recommend juice for hypoglycemia because it spikes your blood sugar too much. In this case, I wanted to spike it really quickly. And then I said, but, but before it has a chance to come down, you have to eat a good protein breakfast within half an hour. I could have recommended the amino acid L-glutamine, which feeds the prefrontal cortex, appears to turn off the adrenaline surge and can buy you time to eat. 
So bear in mind that glutamine is another perfectly acceptable um, use here if you go too long without food. Um, so we set our next appointment. She calls me five days later, cancels the appointment, says, thank you so much. I have not had one panic attack since leaving your office. And I also fed her in session because this was, you know, around three o'clock in the afternoon. I didn't want her having a panic attack at four. So I fed her and that was a, she didn't have one more panic attack because <sighs> that was the problem. I mean, and she had been to seven doctors, seven doctors, seven highly trained, caring people who had never been taught to look for this. Mm. Never been taught to ask these questions. And Chelsea, this is why I'm so passionate about the school I run. So I run a school called the Academy for Addiction and Mental Health Nutrition to teach practitioners how to ask the right questions, how to connect the dots, how to use all of these skills with their clients too. That's, that is so wonderful. I'm going to share that with my um, nutritional therapy practitioner group and put that on my list of continuing education. Um, I I would love to learn more all about this as well. I think it's uh, so life-changing for people. I mean, nutrition, we can you know start with nutrition, but get, diving in more into the amino acid therapy, mm -hmm. I'm so fascinated by that. I know people are probably going to wonder how they listen to this information and they would, they would want to know how could I start by figuring out maybe what I need? I mean, I would say start by getting enough protein, but if they wanted to um, look more into the specific amino acid therapy, how would they go about that? So one way is the, the, the easiest and, and cheapest way to start with is to get one of Julia Ross's books, either The Mood Cure or The Craving Cure, and take some of the quizzes in it. That will help you identify your neurotransmitter depletion. We will also have a free version, um, a digital version of one of her charts on the Academy website. It's not quite up yet, but it uh, will be up within the next month. So you will be able to go into our website and actually um, do this little assessment yourself. I don't dose without it. You know, I have students or people call me and say, you know, my sister's depressed. What should I give them? I say, well, do the amino acid therapy chart and then I'll tell you. So we have a very effective assessment tool based on your transmitter depletion symptoms um, that will get you started. If you would like more formal coaching um, on the website, www.aminoacidtherapy.com, we have a directory of coaches who've been trained and certified by me. And they'll be happy to walk you through the whole process of doing the chart getting you on an amino acid protocol, tweaking it to find the right protocol for you. And frequently, this doesn't take any more than three sessions. We can do this within three sessions. That's fantastic. I'm also taking on a very limited number of clients um, myself right now as well. What if um, you mentioned earlier, you know, you can go into 
maybe a store, maybe even order something. Um, would that be maybe a good place to start for people? Um, maybe ordering in a, a an amino acid um, mm-hmm. blend. I know that I, because we're moving into this this challenge I'm about to do with um, with my clients. Yeah. I, uh, I've been kind of experimenting with an, an essential amino acid blend. And when I take it, I can, within that 20 minutes, um, cause I knew I, it would hit you in 20 minutes. I had learned that, <laughs> but I can feel like, um, just like a, a cognitive lift a little mm-hmm. bit, like the, the fog clears up a little bit and also just, a just a more relaxed mood, just kind of a little bit more, I'm a little bit more chill. <laughs> and it's really nice when I take it in the morning as I'm going into my day and it just helps calm down that like, I have so much to do. Oh my gosh. You know, and kind of that overwhelm. And so I, I notice it. Um, Absolutely. So what, what blend do you use Chelsea? Well, I've been um, playing with the, the perfect aminos um, by Dr. David Minkoff. And um, I've also used Keon, um, I, those are just some, okay. um, some people that I follow and, and they're an essential amino acid blend. And so I would say that's probably maybe something basic. And then, uh, mm-hmm. but I that's know that place. that's a really good place to start. And you want okay. to make sure it's not really a bodybuilding blend. Right. No, right. Um, no, just, a, this is just an essential amino mm-hmm. acid blend. And then I, but then I know, you know, if you want to get more specialized, um, mm-hmm. that you can, you can deal with the individual amino acids, like, um, you were talking about, like, you know, maybe, um, L-terracine or tryptophan or, or, or those things. And, mm-hmm. um, so that would be helpful to have more direction on those specificities for somebody that's suffering with. Exactly. Um, and that's yeah. where either, either the books come in or the trained coaches come in yes um but just to share a little secret i most of my attention deficit disorder is in remission now but some of it will still um pick up and for me the biggest symptom is i'll start spinning i'll have too much to do and i won't know where to start and i'll spin and then i'll start getting really anxious and i'll panic and i'll just freeze and procrastinate and I go do something else because I'm feeling so anxious that I can't even get started on whatever task it is I'm supposed to do next. Um, And those of you who have ADD, I think will certainly um, relate to that experience. Well, the amino acid L-theanine, which you can buy pretty much in any vitamin store or online, Um, And when I say vitamin store, these things are not generally available in your um, Walmarts or your Walgreens, et cetera. You really do have to go to a vitamin store or a health store, health food store to find them. But theanine is wonderful in stopping that, that spin, panic, freeze thing that we can get into. Um, usually comes in a hundred milligram capsules. I find that one is generally enough for me unless I need to sit down with my accountant <laughs> and then I need two. I would need a whole bottle to sit down and discuss <laughs> numbers with anybody. <laughs> oh, that's a great, um, that's great insight. And so you, it, these amino acids, um, are generally safe for children to take. Yes, I've used them for children as young as three, and we had a specialist on one of our calls last week who uses them in children as young as two. 
Wow. Because they're just purified food. Now, you want to give a two-year-old a much lower dose than you're going to give a grown-up. Typically, but the, what the brain needs is not always reflected by body size. True. You know, the, the brain can be very depleted, typically genetically or due to another reason, even in two-year-olds. Would somebody, um, would it take a while for somebody that was very depleted to feel the effects? Um, or does that, would everybody feel something within, you know, with taking the amino acids and maybe within 20 minutes feel something? Or could some people be so depleted that it needs to build back up a little bit? Might it take some time? Well, that, that that's a really good question. And we answer it with dosing. So take, um, we, and we call it biochemical individuality. People need different doses to get the same effect. So Julia Ross had a client with major low catecholamine depression, crawled into her office. She gave her a thousand milligrams of tyrosine. It didn't do anything. She told her to, you know, take the bottle, go home, raise the dose until she found, got the effect she wanted. This woman came back two weeks later, bright eyed, bushy tailed, no longer depressed, taking three grams of tyrosine in the morning. Well, so that's the amount she needed. I had a client who had read Julia's book, taken one capsule, 500 milligrams of tyrosine, and she just jumped out of her skin. She was so agitated. She was so, you know, it's like she drank a pot of coffee. And so she tried something a little softer, L-phenylalanine. She had exactly the same effect on just one capsule. So she then made an appointment with me and I said, okay, I opened the capsule, dumped it onto a saucer, had her lick her finger. Now this woman also had major depression, you know, could barely look at me, was walking slowly, talking slowly, you know, really super depressed. I had her lick her finger, dip it into the powder, lick off the tip of the finger. And within 20 minutes, really 10 minutes, this woman was bright eyed and bushy tailed. So two women with exactly the same symptoms, more or less, one woman needed a fingertip and the other woman needed six capsules. <laughs> wow. Yes. Okay. Very bio-individual. So that's good for people to hear because mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's true in so many ways. Um, oh my gosh. I, I could talk to you all day. I might have to have you back on another time. <laughs> Because we're running out of time. And um, I just feel like there's so much more um, I could learn. But people can go to um, the website when it's up, right? And they mm -hmm. can also go to Eating Protein Saves Lives. Yes. And learn that's, more. That's my fundraiser and educational platform because I want to get this information out into the whole world. But I need your help. I need everybody's help to do this. This is going to be a community affair to teach your family, teach your friends, teach your neighbors, teach your clients that eating protein every four hours matters, that it matters to mental health, and especially it matters to addiction recovery. Yes, we didn't even really get to, to dive into the addiction recovery. Maybe we could do that next time, but 
Um, but yes, this is why I wanted to have you on to spread this message. And I went there and um, you can make a donation. I made a donation and was able to get access to a lot of wonderful information um, to share um, that I will be sharing with my my clients and such. So I'm I'm really grateful for that and for you taking this, you know, by the helm to spread the word. Um, it's it it really is important. It could save. It truly could save so many lives and relationships. And um, and just, you know, what I always like to say is the way that we eat um, affects the way that we show up in the world and affects the way that we can live into everything God created us to be. Yes. You know, if we don't have that, we're just we're just not showing up as vibrantly as the um, as we could be. And um, and we're here for more than that. And so I thank you for for sharing this, this good news of real food, the way God made it and the, and these options for, um, amino acid therapy, uh, before you go, I know you got to leave soon. I want to ask you the anchor questions that I ask all of my guests. And the first one is what is your anchor meal, which would be kind of a go-to healthy meal. And I'm going to bet it includes protein. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it certainly does. And in fact, I had it for breakfast. If this is my, when I'm in a hurry and need real food, I open a can of sardines. I'm one of these strange people that love sardines. Um, and I spread it on, so Trader Joe's has these really wonderful gluten-free, um, like rye crisp crackers made out of whole seeds and grains that's just absolutely delicious and so i will spread the sardines on these uh gluten-free whole grain crackers and add some salad greens to the top of it and that's my um in a hurry go-to meal i love that it's i kind of have a little joke with all my people because um i always tell people that i i didn't I knew sardines are so good for you and I didn't like them. And I, but I finally started liking them in my early forties. It took a lot, a lot of tries. And so I'm like, don't give up people keep trying. But I also want to point out here to everybody, which is another thing that I do is that, um, you know, there are very many options for breakfast besides eggs. Um, and breakfast doesn't have to look like traditional breakfast. You know, people mm-hmm. think of like muffins and cookies and waffles or, or maybe eggs and bacon, which is great. But I mean, breakfast can look like dinner. Breakfast can look like lunch. There are no breakfast police that are going to show up and arrest you if your breakfast doesn't look like the tr- traditional American breakfast, which many times is what gets us into trouble. Um, I love that. Sardines. That's fantastic. Okay. What about your anchor verse, which is a go-to um, your just go-to favorite Bible verse or one that is speaking to you presently? Well, the one that's speaking to me presently, and it's partly because this is the Easter season, is we are crucified with Christ so that we may be resurrected with him. And that means a lot to me because so often the cross the crosses that we have to bear in our lives are our emotional wounding and our physical wounding the things that we've been talking about today that can be so painful and so hard to bear and sometimes it seems like god is very distant and not doing anything at all to help us out um but he really is And he really is working to bring in the right resources to heal and transform us. 
But these struggles that we go through are what purify us spiritually, are what transform us spiritually, are what drive us to our knees so that we can pray more and so that we can invite Christ more deeply into our hearts. And so, therefore, they are leading to resurrection. And I don't know about you, Chelsea, but I've had several resurrection experiences in my life where God has, you know, broken through the darkness and the clouds and everything and really transformed me and brought me to a new level of life that I couldn't have imagined before. And so even before the final resurrection, he's bringing us new life here and now. I love that. I love it. It is the Easter season. That is a beautiful way to wrap this up and wind this down. I am so grateful for you taking the time with me today. Everybody go to, um, go to eating protein saves lives. Um, if you're a practitioner, I have a lot of practitioners that listen to this. Um, what is the name of your academy again? Well, it's the Academy for Addiction and Mental Health Nutrition. And the URL is aminoacidtherapy.com. And it's not limited to, to practitioners, nope. right? Anybody could take it if they are wanting to learn more about this. Absolutely. It's open to everybody. Okay. I love that. Well, thank you again, um, Christina. And thank you to everyone listening. Don't forget that 10 times stronger uh, registration is open where we're going to be eating a lot of protein and working on um, building our strength and focusing on Jesus. So I hope to see you there. Um, And I appreciate you being here and we will talk soon. Have a healthy and blessed week. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.